2: Good morning. It's 830 on Friday, December 18th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, with Moderna's vaccine potentially on the way, Mississippi's health officials plan for distribution of shots to more frontline workers and long-term care residents. And the 10-month-long pandemic has changed the way Mississippians live and grieve. We examine how the coronavirus has affected mental health in the state. Then, how mitigation practices are changing the ways families engage with Santa this holiday season. Plus, how MDOT uses levity to provide motorists important safety messages. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hospitals across Mississippi are administering the first coronavirus vaccine to frontline health care workers caring for COVID-19 patients. The first 25,000 doses of the Pfizer vaccine have gone primarily to at-risk health professionals. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers tells our Kobe Vance the first week of distribution has gone well, but more vaccine is needed to meet the needs of hospitals and long-term care facilities.
3: It's going smoothly for, so far with the allocation that we've gotten, which we're directing towards those health care workers, especially the ones that are um, seeing patients. So, you know, we've gotten a lot of it distributed to, to hospitals for them to vaccinate their frontline workers. But, you know, as more vaccine comes on, we're going to expand that out to the to the full healthcare workforce so that we make make sure that the priority is is that health care workers get vaccinated, but at the same time, you know, we're moving towards allocations for the long-term care facilities because we know how hard hit they've been.
0: And now that's 25,000 doses, um, is that just for this first week or is that for the coming weeks?
3: That's just the first week, the first allocation. We expect some additional allocations as we go over these next couple of weeks. We don't have a clear picture. Of, of what the allocations are going to look like down the road um, but we do expect that for at least the next few weeks we should be getting some weekly allocations. What the actual number is we don't know yet until we'll get them.
0: And then what, lastly what are your hopes for the Moderna vaccine uh, as it's going into approval tomorrow?
3: I, I think you know the Moderna vaccine has some additional flexibility that we can use with it because it doesn't have the same ultra-cold sort of storage that, that you have to have for the Pfizer vaccine. So I think the ease of distribution for the Moderna is going to be a plus for us.
2: An FDA advisory panel is endorsing a second coronavirus vaccine developed by Moderna. Without enough doses in the initial shipment, state health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the approval of the Moderna vaccine with more shots can be distributed quicker.
4: The Moderna vaccine data looks pretty strong. It looks looks good, just like the Pfizer data did. There's a lot of similarities in the uh, vaccine design and um, how they work. So, you know, we're really excited about that. Um, you know, would suspect that, that things are looking favorable for it. We do hope to have it because there's going to be a sizable uh, amount of Moderna vaccine that's going to be available. So, you know, right now we're really hitting frontline healthcare workers. Um, we've already sort of pulled the trigger on launching the long term care effort so that they can start launching. We've 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 dedicated um, you know almost forty thousand doses of Pfizer for long term care residents and employees. And then hopefully starting next week we're gonna start having Moderna vaccine that we can share additionally with hospitals and health care providers and then start doing these drive through clinics for people who are not associated with the health system to make sure all healthcare folks can be protected.
0: And then, um, you know, some hospitals were actually transferred off the Pfizer rollout to the Moderna rollout. Uh, Could you talk a little bit about what were some of the thoughts that went into that? And then, um, you know, as we do see the Moderna come out soon, um, what would that uh, look like?
4: Well, um, they cut our allocation. Basically, they didn't give us as much as they said they could initially. Um, so we had to switch some hospitals off of Pfizer to Moderna. Um, A lot of the hospitals are thankful for that because the storage requirements for the Moderna are so much more simple. So, um, it just, it puts us a few days behind, you know, for some locations, but with some gains in, um, you know, ease of use. So we'll get it out as quickly as we can.
2: Health leaders have been in the forefront attempting to build confidence and trust in the two vaccines. Earlier this week, members of the State Medical Association gathered to receive their first rounds of the Pfizer vaccine. Dr. Emily Landrum of Starkville admitted she was initially skeptical, but that has changed and now she wants to encourage others to get the shot when the opportunity arrives.
5: As we've gotten more and more information and I've been able to do some of the research and listen to some of the facts about it from really trusted sources. I feel super comfortable getting it. Didn't hurt that much. Feels, you know, like a flu shot. Um, maybe not even that bad. And so I think from my standpoint, I've already been getting a lot of questions just from my patients and other healthcare providers about what I think about the safety and do I think it's a good idea? And so it's really important, I think for me to help people understand that it's safe to get, it's going to be something that's effective, and hopefully help begin to decrease the burden that we have on our healthcare system. So I'm going to encourage as many people as I can that I think are safe to get it, to get it as soon as they're able to.
0: And uh, have you been caring for COVID-19 patients?
5: I have. Um, so my care of them has been a little bit sporadic. My clinic does outpatient and inpatient care. So we admit our own patients to the hospital. So we do testing for our patients that are concerned about having COVID. And if one of them needs to be admitted to the hospital, we take care of them. So I've had um, you know patients here and there throughout the pandemic that I'm caring for in the hospital and then on an outpatient basis as well.
0: And so, you know, having this vaccine, what does that uh, feel for like for you as a healthcare and a worker and on helping those patients uh, as you continue to try to help those patients, being able to know that you at least have the vaccine now?
5: Yeah, so it's really important to me. I feel like I will be able to kind of have another layer of protection for my patients and my family. Uh, A lot of the patients that I have that are going into the hospital, whether it's for COVID or not for COVID, a lot of the patients I see in my clinic are over 65. A lot of them have chronic health conditions. I have a 94-year-old grandmother. And so for me, it's really reassuring to have just a second layer of safety behind what we're already doing, wearing masks and staying distant.
0: And as we enter this holiday season, what would be your messaging to, you know, the families across Mississippi who are, you know, um, trying to figure out what they want to do this year?
5: Just continue to be safe, wear your mask, wash your hands and keep a distance. We still have to do that for a while, even after a lot of us get the vaccine. So that's going to be still the pillar of what we need to do to to keep numbers uh, at a lower level.
2: Next, the 10-month-long pandemic has changed the way Mississippians live and grieve. We examine how the coronavirus has affected mental health in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Department of Mental Health is launching a behind-the-mask campaign to encourage residents to pay closer attention to their mental health and seek help when needed. Experts say feelings of anxiety and depression are common during the coronavirus pandemic, with contributing factors that include changes in employment, children learning from home, and death of loved ones. Molly Taylor is with the State Department of Mental Health. She says a $1.6 million grant is allowing the department to fund 15 providers across the state to further offer mental health services. She examines the toll of the pandemic on Mississippi's mental health with our Ashley Norwood.
6: So many people are experiencing grief over the loss of loved ones this year. Um, but additionally, fears are about our own health and the health of our family and friends, um, possible changes to your employment, um, you know, possibly even unemployment. Um, We're also having more um, caregiving responsibilities. We've got kids home from school in some instances. So all of these things can really contribute to increased stress um, during the pandemic.
7: And what are you finding, or I guess how are you finding people have been coping with this increased level of stress?
6: Yeah, people are experiencing um, more and more stress these days because of the pandemic. And, um, you know, folks who who maybe have never uh, had symptoms of a mental illness before could possibly develop um, mental illnesses based on the stresses that they're experienced um, because of the pandemic. And we want to encourage people to think about their mental health just as they would their physical health. You know, when we have a physical health problem, a cold, stomach virus, something like that, we go to the doctor and seek treatment for it. And we need to do the same thing for our mental health problems. Um, You know, people might be experiencing more symptoms of anxiety or depression, um, you know, crying, sadness, anger, and all of those things are really common. Um, Mental health problems are very common, and people all across the the state, unfortunately, are experiencing more mental health symptoms. But it's important to know, too, that mental health problems are treatable as well, and there is help out there um, for folks who need it.
7: How concerned are you all at the Department of Mental Health about about that fact in itself that more people are experiencing those kinds of symptoms? um
6: we know at the Department of mental health that that people are experiencing more symptoms of mental health problems as a result of this pandemic, and we're really fortunate to have received grant funding um, from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration to help us. Provide services to those individuals. Um, our Behind the Mask campaign is really, um, really was developed to help promote services across the state um, to individuals who may be experiencing mental health problems as a result of the pandemic.
7: So, with the Behind the Mask campaign, what kinds of services would these providers be uh, offering with that supplemental funding?
6: So the MERC 19 funding um, provides services for individuals who may be experiencing symptoms of a mental health problem. Um, So that could be something, you know, from um, mental health services related to um, depression or anxiety, um, severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, Um, It also uh, covers services provided for people who um, are suffering from alcohol and drug addiction. Um, So it it covers both alcohol and drug addiction services and mental health services.
7: Why is it important for Mississippians to be aware of their mental health, especially now? Um, You know,
6: I think it's so critically important for people to be aware of their mental health um, because, you know, This year and and the things that we've experienced in this year um, have been unlike anything we've experienced before. Um, And, you know, so many people are um, experiencing symptoms of mental illnesses that maybe have never experienced them before. You know, this pandemic may have brought, um, you know, symptoms of a mental illness to light. And I really want to encourage people to understand that mental health problems are common and they are treatable. Um, and encourage people not to hide behind their mask. Um, there is help available, and asking for help is not a sign of weakness, but one of strength. Um, it can be uncomfortable to ask for help, um, but just like with a physical health condition, mental health conditions need treatment to get better. And so, there is help available. Um, there are people who are waiting to help you, um, and are and behind the mask website has made it really easy for people to identify where to access help.
7: Molly Taylor is Director of the Division of Outreach and Training at the Mississippi Department of Mental Health. Molly, thank you so much for talking to us about this very important issue.
6: Thank you for your time.
7: Coming up, how mitigation practices are
2: changing the ways families engage with Santa this holiday season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: This podcast is a local
2: production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like
8: you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. How did you visit Santa in a pandemic? Of course, climbing on Santa's lap in a crowded mall isn't safe with COVID-19 surging across the South. But families and Santa are adapting. From WBHM in Birmingham, Alabama, Andrew Yeager reports.
8: In the parking lot of a suburban Birmingham Walmart, Santa stands among inflatable Christmas trees. Kids sit on a bench a few feet in front of him while parents snap pictures. Even with this unusual setup, it's hard for some parents to hold back their excitement.
7: Hi, Santa! Hello! Hello.
8: Hi! Liz Paredes stopped by while shopping with her 12-year-old daughter who has autism.
7: I'm really glad
6: that we were able to do that because I want to keep that spirit alive for her. And um, because the
2: pandemic, uh, we just haven't ventured out.
8: Many retailers across the South are keeping the traditional Santa appearances alive during the pandemic, albeit with the now ubiquitous safety procedures. Face mask, social distancing. Some keep Santa behind plexiglass or our appointment only. But for those still uneasy, there's another option, one that seems very appropriate this year. Hop on a Zoom for a virtual visit.
3: Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy to see you. <laughs>
8: Ed Taylor is the embodiment of Santa. After all, he's portrayed the figure for 17 years, including on TV and in commercials. He's founder of the Worldwide Santa Claus Network, a group for professional Claus performers. He says he's done recorded messages or video chats for more than a decade, but the pandemic has sent demand skyrocketing. This year, he's up to two hundred virtual visits and counting.
5: Now
3: Oliver, yeah, that's the North nice Pole. Yes, that's it. your home. Yeah, it's my home. Can you <laughs> see not, out my window? Do you see behind me?
8: It's snowing. The North Pole, in this case, is Taylor's home in southern Oregon. This year, he's trained Santas across the country how to share the Christmas spirit through a screen. He says in some ways, online is more demanding than seeing kids in a store. That experience is over in a few minutes. On Zoom, Santas often have to find ways to interact with kids for much longer.
3: I just was on a call, and we were making duck sounds and sheep sounds with a two-year-old.
8: A number of companies offer virtual Santa visits, including Jingle Ring, co-founded this spring by Atlanta entrepreneur Walt Gear with his wife. He hired more than 350 Claus performers and earlier this month took the first call.
4: It happened at 6 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, and it was a family in Singapore.
8: Gear says they're hosting calls around the world, around the clock. Virtual visits also allow more options – Parents can choose a Santa of color, a religious-themed conversation, or one in American Sign Language.
4: I watched one where we had a deaf child on with one of our ASL Santas, and it brought me to tears. And her mom sent me a note afterwards and said, I just want you to know my daughter has never signed with a Santa. You literally made her year.
8: Birmingham mom Carmen Michael has Santa pictures of her three kids going back to when her oldest, who's now eight, was just an infant sleeping in Santa's lap. But there will be a gap this year. Her family decided to forego the trip to see Santa. After having to quarantine, it didn't seem to be worth the risk.
5: It was helpful when they weren't upset about it. If they were upset, that would be harder for us, but they really didn't care, luckily.
8: Instead, Michael says, her kids will write letters to Santa. Perhaps the original way to practice social distancing with the jolly old elf. In Birmingham, I'm Andrew Yeager.
2: This story was produced as part of a regional collaboration with public media stations in Alabama, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Coming up, how MDOT uses levity to provide motorists important safety messages. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
8: Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker.
2: We are a You Could Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in in the state of Mississippi.
8: Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker.
7: Freak me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside.
8: You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Highway safety is a serious matter, but during this and other holiday seasons, a team from the Mississippi Department of Transportation is using a touch of levity to get those safe driving messages out. Michael Flood is with MDOT. He shares more about this year's messaging campaign and the importance of getting real-time information to Mississippi's motorists.
3: We started on Monday, the 14th. On December
1: 14th, we started the uh, M-12 Days of Christmas. Uh, just, just you know, just to bring a little extra holiday spirit to, to the highways, to our highways uh, throughout the Christmas season. So, Give us
2: an example um, of what one of those bill or one of those signs says. Representing well, the, the, the days. one this
1: morning on the way in, uh, we we had "Slow Down for Roadside Workers; They Are Fragile," uh, and that is a reference <laughs> to the Christmas Story film. <laughs> so, um you know uh and some some of them from last year that we had that were some of our favorites from last year were like if you're too blitzing to drive find us over santa um you'll have a blue christmas if you're drunk you know even santa has to buckle up and mississippi is the law you know it's just just to give that um these holiday theme messages they have a fun tone but a serious message in that we want uh you know we want all of this to to come back to safety and uh you know just with with it being a busier time of year there's uh, more people on the roads and you know we just want safety to be at the forefront of everyone's uh, mind this year.
2: How many of you are involved in coming up with what the sign will say? So there are, we've got uh, you know around 12
1: of us in our division that you know we kind of we kind of we, we get a little email chain going and uh, and throw out ideas here and there. We've got some very creative people that work here. we all kind of pitch in and throw in ideas and uh, and we have we have a lot of fun with it.
2: Is there always something is there always some kind of message on those signs, oh. or are they ever dark?
1: yes ma'am they, they we uh you know I, I can't think of any time that we wouldn't have uh any messages on them um you know for instance sometimes you know i mean highway uh alerts roadside traffic alerts will override any you know holiday themed or any other kind of messaging that we have out there so they're very strategic and you know and we definitely want to inform motors of road conditions first and foremost um you know so so any anytime there's a major delay or congestion or crash or anything like that ahead that you will see that on our signs but uh but for the most part, um, you know, we're just we're trying to offer fun little safety messages just to remind folks, you know, it's, it's you know deer season as well with the time change recently. You know, we've been uh, really ramping up our, our deer messaging as well. Um, last year we had uh, even more um, deer-related crashes in the state than the year before. And, you know, it's just a testament to the distractive driving uh, that's going on. And, you know, we want people to, you know, put down the phone when they're driving, especially at night. And uh, and watch out for deer. Um, they're they're you know all over Mississippi, as everyone knows. So um, you know, especially uh, keep an eye out for them in the dark.
2: Uh, it would seem that an amber alert would be the most important thing on a sign. Is that correct?
1: Sure. Uh, sometimes we will show that. Um, pertinent information like that um, can be shared via our traffic management center. And I think just last year we sent out over uh, close to eight thousand traffic alerts were sent out to the public, which. Um you know totaled uh, over eight million notifications to the public and this is stuff that uh the public can sign up for it's all free um you know m um you can Download our M. Traffic mobile app in any app store, and uh, and we post the high alerts, you know, any kind of major traffic impact, um, you know, or major weather uh, updates on our social media at Mississippi DOT, which can be followed on uh, you know Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
2: It's interesting because obviously there would be if there's traffic, an accident in Jackson, then the signs around Jackson will reflect that, or in Tupelo, same kind of thing, Gulfport. How? That's right. So you have like quadrants of centralization that someone is always paying attention to that area and can and can design the sign based on what's happening at any given time.
1: That's right. We we uh, we staff these traffic management centers twenty four seven. So um, you know we've got uh, we've got a network of. There's the the answer. I thought that's what it was, but we've got a network of over one thousand cameras um, across the state. So um, that gives you know, and that's all channeled through these traffic management centers. We have people watching them 24-7. Um, it's gathered by, you know, not just cameras, but we have other roadway devices throughout the state like speed detectors and weather sensors that uh, feed data to our TMC.
2: All right. Wonderful. Michael Flood is the public information officer for the Mississippi Department of Transportation. Michael, thank you so much.
1: Yes, ma'am. Oh, and one more thing to yeah. mention, we, we're going we're to stop uh, all of our, uh, you know, all road construction requiring land closures. We're going to stop on December 24th and then once again on December tw- uh, 31st and January 1st. So uh, this is just to give maximum travel capacity and, you know, minimal construction delays to anyone that's going to be traveling over is, the holidays. Is that so. throughout Mississippi? That is throughout Mississippi, correct. And, uh, you know, although there won't be any holiday construction taking place on those dates, I just mentioned uh, we we are going to, you know, we do want motors to be aware that some lane closures will have to remain in place, and and those are going to be in place to protect motors. Be be sure to to keep that in mind as you're traveling and and use our uh, inbound traffic app, and please, uh, you know, drive safe and sober this holiday season, and we appreciate you uh, helping us remind the public.
2: All right. Thanks so much.
1: Okay, Karen. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
2: Michael Flood with the Mississippi Department of Transportation. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning.